You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 655 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you live, it's technically Monday morning now, uh, Sunday night, <laughs> very, very late into the evening here, into Monday morning, and the Hawks fell by a final score of 124 to 113 in overtime against the Portland Trailblazers. I know a lot of people can stand up and watch this game, and if you uh, did, you were treated to a pretty entertaining product. Um, the first half, not so much, even though it was, it was it was definitely competitive in the first half and a close-fought first half, but a pretty ugly performance by both sides in the first half, I thought. But, you know, the Hawks did enough to hang around, and the second half was legitimately entertaining. Uh, got to overtime, and things did not go well for the Hawks, obviously, but as you can tell by the final score of uh, being 11, an 11-point 11 loss. And uh, unfortunately, if you decided to wager your hard-earned jelly beans on the Hawks in this game, you did not win despite going to overtime, which is always brutal. But we will talk all about the game, as always. And if you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. Hopefully you will stick around, and we'll have some fun talking about the Atlanta Hawks. So, before the game actually began, there was a big-time change, uh, not one that was unexpected by me or some other people, but Kevin Herter started this game at the 2. Kevin Herter played starters minutes in this game at the 2. Not not a huge surprise, honestly, given the way that Cam Reddish has struggled a little bit and Herter being the projected shoot, starting shooting guard the entire way until he was injured um, before training camp. Chris Christopher of The Athletic reported that uh, news from Lloyd Pierce before the game on Sunday and uh, also said that... Pierce indicated that, quote, the plan was always to start Kevin Herter, but the injury set him back, end quote. That's basically what I've been hearing the entire time. Uh, I played the entire audio for you all on Friday of what Pierce had to say when asked about Herter in the lineup before the game. Um, I was kind of anticipating this change actually happening today based on the way that Reddish play on Friday and the way that Herter played on Friday. And then, you know, it, after the way this went today, I would anticipate this is going to be a, a permanent thing, uh, even if it wasn't already uh, expressed as such so no big surprise there Herter was coming into the season the third best player on the team and uh, as a result of that you would expect him to start and he did in this game that was the only sort of top line thought that happened beforehand the other thing that was uh, noteworthy before the game started was that um, Alan Crabb was upgraded to questionable and actually was technically available to play in this game um, he was in an emergency situation only though as he recovers from his knee injury Crabb told Sarah Spencer of the AJC that his knee is, quote, headed in the right direction, end quote, and that he hopes to play at some point on the trip. That's very good news. You know, Crabb, certainly more of a specialist as a shooter offensively, but the Hawks could use some shooting, and uh, we'll see if he's in integrated in the lineup. Vince Carter missed this game with personal reasons. I'm not really sure what was going on with that beyond the personal reasons description, but the Hawks could have used him as well in this game. So we will follow uh, sort of the rotation as we get going here. But no crab in this game, even though he was uh, eligible to play technically. But uh, good signs ahead for him as he recovers from his uh, off-season knee issue. So, uh, as, I, as I said before a second ago, the point spread was 8.5 in this game, which the Hawks were covering almost the entire way, and then they weren't at the end. Uh, most of the projection systems and the Vegas money line had the Hawks winning this game in the like 20% range, somewhere around there. So obviously the Hawks played better than that. Um, I will say, and I said this on Twitter before the game, so I'm allowed to say, but I'm allowed to say it now, this Portland team right now that the Hawks saw 
is really flawed. They obviously have two awesome guards. Damian Lillard is an elite player, etc. But this roster is kind of flawed, and we saw that in this game. Um, their forward situation, their front court situation is kind of a mess. So um, I said earlier that I thought this game was probably the most winnable on the entire trip. Um, either this game or Phoenix, and Phoenix is playing so well that honestly it probably would have been this game. They almost pulled it off, and honestly the Hawks should be credited for the way they played in this game. But that's sort of set the stage a little bit. To the beginning of the game, though, uh, set the tone early with a Jabari Parker getting to the line on the first trip. He actually missed both free throws, but I thought he set the tone very, very nicely, and he obviously had a huge game in this spot. A very favorable matchup for Parker, as I've been saying for the last couple days, honestly, looking ahead to this game, because Portland doesn't really have a starting power forward. They have Mario they have Mario Hazonia, who's not really that caliber of player. They have uh, guys like Kent Bazemore, who is obviously very, very undersized. They have Anthony Tolliver, who, you know, is a power forward, but certainly more of an offensive player at this point in time. They have Nas Little undersized and also a rookie who didn't play a whole lot in this game so very favorable matchup for Parker and the Hawks I think knew that and wanted to uh, sort of highlight him throughout and that was a smart decision by Atlanta. Um, Portland did go up by a 9-2 score early on with the Hawks starting cold from the floor. Um, basically, the first half was a game of runs uh, in kind of hilarious fashion, especially in the second quarter. But uh, in the early going, Parker had a nice block on Whiteside. In fact, he had four blocks in the first half. That was Jabari Parker's career high for block shots, and he did it in the first half. So uh, pretty pretty impressive stuff there from Parker, despite the fact that he actually fouled out late in this game. Um, it was Ty Wallace, a backup point guard. He actually played a decent amount in this game. The Hawks only used 10 guys with Vince Carter unavailable. And honestly, the 10th was Bruno Fernando, who only played three minutes. So it was kind of a, a short rotation by Hawks standards. Uh, Pierce has been playing 11 or 12 pretty much every night. And in this game, it was basically 9.25 or so. Um, so that's worth pointing out, even though there was an obvious explanation with the uh, absence of Vince Carter. Is a 9-0 run by the Hawks to sort of their first flourish of the game, highlighted by Bembry, actually. Donnie Bembry had a nice little stretch there. We actually created six points um, out of the nine during that run. Portland did not score for about four full minutes, and the Hawks actually went, um, at the end of the first quarter, they were winning by one point, despite the fact that they were 0-7 from three, because Portland was 8-25 of from the floor and 1-6 from three in their own right. It was ugly, as I said before on the podcast. The first half was just hideous basketball, honestly, at both ends of the floor. Um, just bad offense. There was some good defense, though, from the Hawks, but... A lineup that the Hawks were putting out there with Cam Reddish, Damian Jones, and Ty Wallace was able to hold on because of Bembry's offense, but they just, it was definitely, um, they were gumming up the works a little bit, just trying to play ugly bully ball. It worked out decently for Atlanta, but offensively it was not pretty to say the least. As I said a second ago, the second quarter was a game of runs. It was an 8-0 run by Portland to open up an 8-point lead um, behind Anthony Simons. Then it was 8-0 run back by the Hawks immediately, including a, tra- a, three, a three from Trey Young and a nice sequence from Jabari Parker. A 7-0 run from Portland right after that. And then a 9-0 run by the Hawks right after that. So uh, four straight runs, back and forth, back and forth. Um, the last one by the Hawks was a 9-0 to take the lead on a DeAndre Hunter three and an Alex Lynn layup. Um, there was a ridiculous pass from Trey Young, as I say almost every night, I feel like. Um, this one was not finished by Jabari Parker, who was actually blocked near the rim. So no, like, I guess highlight, but it, it made the rounds on Twitter. Um, it was a fantastic pass, just a ridiculous look by Trey Young. that He does something crazy like that once or twice a game, and it, it was a mesmerizing look by Trey. Uh, as I said before, Parker had four blocks in the first half, also had 8.7 rebounds. Trey Young was not efficient in the first half at all offensively, but did, was definitely productive. 15 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds before halftime. Um, the Hawks only had an 81.9 offensive rating in the first half, but only were down by 2 because of their defense and the fact that Portland was just really scuffling offensively. 
Uh, the second half, much, much more entertaining, um, really from beginning to end, frankly. There was a behind-the-back pass from Trey Young to Jabari Parker to uh, tie the game. Um, it was a nice, another another great pass by Trey Young, unsurprisingly. In fact, Parker and Young scored 40 of the first 61 points for the Hawks in this game. Now, for the entire game, they scored 62 of the Hawks' 113, so more than half of the points. Um, but it was even more stark in the first you know, two-and-a-half quarters or so. Just those two, those two guys being an offense almost unto themselves. Um, there was an 11-2 run by the Hawks shortly after that to go by four with a young pass to Damian Jones for a dunk that prompted a timeout. And the Hawks actually got, got the lead back uh, all the way up to five on a three by DeAndre Hunter. Um, there was a really, really entertaining stretch in the third quarter when it was basically Anthony Simons against Trey Young, almost one-on-one in some respects. Um, Trey was fantastic in the third quarter. He had 15 points and five assists in the third quarter alone. He had 30 points and nine assists through three quarters. Another just huge night for Trey. No, no big surprise there, obviously, but he was fantastic in that third period. In the fourth... The Hawks made the decision to sit to sit Trey Young, which is you know on on brand and on on time. Usually he's going to sit there at some point in time. He can't play the entire second half. Although Damian Lillard played the entire second half for Portland, which is kind of crazy. I didn't really realize that until after I saw it on the box score. But pretty crazy to see that. But Trey sat at the end of, at the open of the fourth quarter, and I am always tracking what the Hawks are able to do when he sits. In this particular spot, the Hawks did a really good job. Um, so spoiler alert on that. But the Hawks were using Jabari Parker at the five. They were switching everything. And defensively, at that point in time, it was actually still working. Later in the game, it was more of a problem. And they certainly could have used a, a smaller, a, sort of a small ball five switching option that they didn't really have. But that first stretch, without Trey Young, it was Hunter hitting a three to tie the game. And then another three by Hunter moments later to put the Hawks up by to, up by a 92-90 score. And that was the fourth three of the game. For DeAndre Hunter, and then a three-point play by Ty Wallace, who played a lot in this game to go up by five. Young sat for more than six minutes, which is a lot of time. I was actually surprised how long Trey Young sat. It ended up working out for the Hawks pretty well because of overtime. Um, the fact that he they, he actually had to play uh, extra time there made Pierce look even smarter. But he sat for you know six and a half minutes or so. The Hawks were plus three, and that is absolutely stunning, honestly, with the way this game played out. Um, Troy Young was minus 17 in an 11-point loss, and most of the time, that's not going to happen. And it wasn't it wasn't like Trey was bad. Um, we'll get to him later individually, but um, the Hawks just did a good job without him on the court in this game, which is a small sample size as always, but good to see the Hawks at least sustaining some momentum without Trey Young on the floor. There was a weirdly bad no call on a on a drive by Hunter uh, that was bailed out with Portland not scoring on the other end of the floor, but that was certainly something to circle uh, early in the fourth quarter. Young hit a, a very impressive floater to go up by three. Um, from that point forward, it was a lot of back and forth, frankly. Um, Young hit a pull-up three to go up, go up 102 to 98 late in the fourth, but then that was immediately followed up by a three-point play by, by Hassan Whiteside to get it to 102-101, and that four-point lead by uh, the Hawks late was their biggest lead um, for that point forward. Um, Young missed a three that would have uh, sort of been a huge one to go by four. That did not go in, and actually he kind of went cold at times in the late-game situation here in this game. But a pull-up mid-ranger by C.J. McCollum to go up by three with about 45 seconds to to go or so put the Hawks in a bad spot. But uh, Young found Parker for a deep three. He actually missed that, but Kevin Herter chased it down in the corner against McCollum. And Herter, you know, just a fantastic play. Lloyd Pierce praised it after the game, getting a 50-50 ball in the corner. I guess scoring up his feet in that corner in a tight space, knocking down a game-tying three that sort of saved the Hawks with 27 seconds to go, 105-105. They did allow a layup by Damian Lillard at the rim. That was a great move by him. Some bad defense as well, but a pretty filthy move from Damian Lillard. But 
Um, the Hawks down by two with 7.6 seconds to go. There was a full denial on Trey Young um, by Portland to push him all the way in the backcourt. Parker found Kevin Herter, who went right to the rim to his right for a floater off the window. Great touch by Kevin Herter, honestly. Not a, not a play that you would think that he would probably be the number one option to make. I'm sure they wanted to have the ball in Young's hands. Um, and Portland also could have fouled. They had a foul to give. They did not do that, which burnt them in that spot, but Herter with a great play, honestly, and a nice finish, very nice high and soft off the glass to tie the game. Um, The Blazers did get a shot up, actually. Uh, They had .7 seconds to go, and Simon's got a three that actually I thought was going in for a brief moment from the corner. It did not fall, and that sent the game to overtime. Worth noting how good the offense was. Um, You know, the full game numbers were not great offensively for Atlanta in this game, but in the third and fourth quarter alone, the second half before overtime, the Hawks shot 54% from the floor, 44% from three, and they were not a 10 from the line. So they were very, very good offensively in the third and fourth quarters to make this game interesting. Unfortunately, the defense kind of cratered a little bit during that time as well to allow Portland to take the game to overtime. And then, uh, spoiler alert, overtime did not go well (laughs) based on the uh, final score here. It was the first overtime of the year for either team, actually, um, so certainly for the Hawks. Um, they traded empty trips at the open with missed jumpers by uh, McCollum and Parker back and forth, but then uh, Kent Bazemore, old friend, um, playing against the Hawks for the first time in a very, very long time, hit back-to-back threes um, to go up by six with three and a half minutes to go. The defense was pretty shaky, as I said before, in overtime with Parker at the five. I know what they were trying to do there, playing small, and Parker was great offensively in this game, but um, you know he did have all, obviously all the blocks in the first half, but defensively there's still times on the perimeter where he's uh, he's definitely going to be a liability. Um, you know Parker's been great in the Haw- for the for the Hawks this season. I, I've been wrong about that so far. He's been much much better than I thought he was going to be. But defensively, you can certainly see, um, particularly on replay um, and on a rewatch in the uh, overtime period and late in the fourth quarter, how much of a weakness he can be on the perimeter at times. Uh, Herter got to the line to go up by four. Uh, sorry, you go down by four again, um, and then Portland turned it over. From there, though, it was basically uh, all Blazers the rest of the way. It was 113 to 109 after the Herter free throws. Then there was a, uh, a missed, a good look by Herter from three. Um, Whiteside got, got a tip in to go up by six. Young missed a three, and then um, after a bunch of a scrum, loose ball foul situation, Young missed again after an inbounds pass, and then McCollum hit a three to kind of backbreak things, put the Blazers up by nine. Hawks to get a dunk by Damian Jones to get back to seven, but uh, in a hurry, there was a layup by McCollum and a three-point play by Mario Hazonia to go up 123 to 111, and that was basically the end of that. So within about a two-and-a-half-minute span, the the lead went from three to 12, and uh, yeah, that kind of speaks for itself. The offensive execution in the fourth quarter, uh, sorry, in the overtime period was not good, and defensively, they just couldn't get the stops they needed to get, which, you know, Portland's a veteran team. I do think that the Hawks don't have a huge talent disadvantage in this game based on who is available for Portland. Remember, in this game, the Blazers are without Yusuf Nurkic. They're without Zach Collins. They were without Rodney Hood, who I don't love, but still is a better player than the guys that were playing in, in his place. So, you know, obviously the backcourt speaks for itself, and I thought Baysmore played pretty decently in this game. And Whiteside was uh, impactful around the rim. Not, not a big Whiteside guy, but uh, they certainly needed him. He was questionable in this game. If he had not played, I'm not sure what Portland would have done, honestly, up front with the way that their uh, rotation broke down. But still, the Hawks were uh, admirable, to be sure, in this game. They they uh, they very easily could have won it in regulation. Overtime was a, a letdown, to be sure. But Pierce seemed pretty proud of them after the game. In his post-game comments, he was pretty upbeat considering the loss. And uh, they almost pulled it off, almost stole this one on the road. And that should give you some optimism for the future. Um, offensively, the full game numbers are not good. A 98 offensive rating is not going to win you too many games, particularly on the road against a pretty good team in Portland. Um, as I said before, the second and third quarter, sorry, the third and fourth quarters were actually pretty good, but the rest of the game pretty shaky. And on the whole, 
the Hawks shot 40% from, from the floor, 27% from three. It's 11 of 41. Um, 21 assists against 16 turnovers is not necessarily great either. The shooting was just kind of shaky all the way around. Um, a couple of individual guys really struggled um, efficiency-wise. Trey Young was 9 of 30, for instance. But uh, just in general, they just couldn't make a ton of open looks. I mean, Portland's defense was not great in this game, especially in the first half. It seemed like Portland was playing great defense, but it was really a lot of the Hawks just not executing. In the second half, the light turned on offensively for Atlanta, and that's something to certainly dwell on in a positive way. But um, overall, the offense was not great in this game. The defense, the defense was competitive, though, uh, and honestly, the numbers defensively look good enough to win. A 108 defensive rating is not great, but it's competitive, as I said before. Um, the Blazers shot 43% from the floor, 33% from three, so nothing fantastic. Only had 19 assists against 17 turnovers, so good defense there. Along the way, uh, obviously, Dame Lillard is very good at basketball. He had 30 points. Um, McCollum had 23 points, but no, nothing crazy. Um, Whiteside was a problem at times playing against a small lineup for the Hawks, but Again, I think the Hawks played competitively, defensively, and uh, that's something to be uh, proud of in this game uh, if, if you are a Hawks fan. So, all that said, we'll get into the individual stuff in a second, but just as a big picture takeaway, I thought the Hawks played well enough to win. They almost stole this one, and it would have been a nice win, but uh, there is some positivity to dwell on for the rest of the road trip. So, after a quick break, we will come back and talk about the individual efforts in this game, so hold on tight. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back with the individual players in this game. As I said before, only 10 guys appeared, and really only 9, because Bruno Fernando played 3 minutes, and that was a little bit of a surprise, given the fact that he is a talented um, switch potential guy, good athlete. He's the best athlete of all the centers at this point in time. I will say that Bruno is a little bit lost, so if you want to look at the rotation, the way that it broke down in this game, Pierce leading on the veterans more. It was basically Hunter was the young guy that played a lot in this game, and they went, to, they went more vet-heavy in a closely contested game that was basically tight the entire way. So I totally understand how that happens. I do, you know, it would have been curious to see what Bruno would have looked like, but uh, he is often lost at times on both ends of the floor. So I, I do understand why he wouldn't be playing, but I would have liked to have seen him a little bit more just as an experiment of nothing else. Um, but he was the only guy that didn't really play much at all. Everybody else played 16 minutes or sorry, 15 minutes or more. Um, Cam Reddish, 16 minutes. That was a little bit of a surprise. Obviously, he didn't start in this game, and that's going to inevitably lead to a little bit less minutes, but um, Pierce did say before the game in an interview with Andre Aldridge of Fox Sports Southeast that he anticipated the same kind of minutes load for the for Reddish despite not starting, and that just didn't happen in this game. Um, you know, part of that is that Reddish really struggled in his limited time. I'm going to try to be um, a little bit kind here, but offensively he was uh, totally lost, I thought, in the first half of this game when he played more minutes. Um, defensively, there were some nice moments, including two steals and five rebounds, but offensively he was just... Yeah, really rough. Uh, it's not. It's kind of been an overarching theme so far for Reddish. There were a couple of bright spots along the way, but really, he's been pretty clearly the worst offensive player on the team so far this season, and uh, that probably leads to why he didn't play a whole lot in this game. I do think that Reddish is going to play more than this regularly. You know, this is a somewhat rare circumstance where the Hawks were, you know, in a game that was pretty much you know exhaustingly tight for the entire second half and overtime. So I, th I think Pierce just kind of wanted to ride his guys out and try to get this win on the road to set the tone for the road trip. I think Reddish is going to average more minutes than this. Looking ahead, people were asking me after the news broke about Herter and the starting lineup how the rotation would change. I still think that Herter and Hunter and Reddish and Bembry will be the four-man wing rotation for, for most nights. You could see Crab, of course. You could see Vince Carter somewhat, somewhat at the three. You could see Evan Turner a little bit as well. And obviously Ty Wallace played some in this game, but I think the the four primary wings will be the same. Obviously, I think Herter will play a little bit more now that he's just that he's starting and he is just better than Cam Reddish at this point in time. Um, but we'll see. I, I do think that Reddish will play more than this regularly, but it was uh, noteworthy in this game to me that he didn't play a whole lot. And honestly, 
there were a lot of noteworthy minutes, uh, minutes deployments things in this game. I tweeted it out after the game, but three minutes for Fernando was noteworthy uh, versus 24 for Jones and only 15 for Lennon. So half the game, Damian Jones, so I thought played pretty well, but still playing a lot of minutes in this contest. Ty, Ty Wallace playing more than Cam Reddish, for instance, is pretty uh, interesting to me. And then Bembry played 40 minutes. That's a lot. That was second most on the team. So we'll come back to a lot of those stuff, uh, a lot of those things in the, in the uh, near future here. But yeah, pretty interesting deployment stuff from Pierce in this game. Uh, elsewhere on the individual side, I, ref- I referenced Ty Wallace a second ago. Four points, two rebounds, and an assist for Wallace. Kind of a quiet game in terms of the actual production from him, but was a team high plus eight in his 17 minutes. I thought he was pretty active defensively and did, sort of did what he can do. And he's not he's not going to be a, a huge highlight guy or a great shooter, et cetera, et cetera, but he does fill in a lot of gaps and doesn't kill you. He's basically the backup point guard uh, at times in this game. Damian Jones, 24 minutes. Uh, had 8.7 rebounds, a steal, a block, and an assist. He was pretty active. I thought he did a good job when he was out there for the most part. Um, they had to have someone face off with Whiteside at times, and uh, they went with Jones over Len in the second half, and that was uh, you know not a crazy decision in some ways. Uh, and finally, Bembry, 40 minutes off the bench. That's a lot of minutes for Bembry, who was not you know, hugely productive. Six points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. He did a lot of Bembry things, a lot of activity. Um, defensively, did a good job um, when he was out there, but offensively didn't too, didn't give them too, too much here. You know, interesting things. They kind of just rode the same group down the stretch and all of overtime, and he was part of that group, but alas. To the starters, and uh, Alex Lynn, as I, as I said before, did not play a lot in this game. Four points. Two block shots, two rebounds in 15 minutes, 2 of 5 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3, including an air ball. He was minus 9. I still think his defense has been good this year, actually. I think Lund's defense has been better than it's been um, since he's joined the Hawks last year. I didn't think he was great defensively. I think this year he's been, like, notably better defensively. But offensively, you know, he had a he had a missed dunk in this game. He had an air ball 3, just... The, the hits keep on coming for Alex Lund's offense, and I assume that's why he didn't play a whole lot in this game. I, the defense has been better with him, with him on the court than when he's off the court this season. But uh, until he can sort of generate more offensively, I can see why they might want to play him a little bit less. But still, a starting center playing 15 minutes in a game that went to overtime is uh, very, very noteworthy. And I want, I'll want i just sort of leave that out there for now. Uh, Kevin Herter, 31 minutes. Uh, overall, efficiency was not fantastic. 15, 15 points, 5-12 from the floor. Actually, it was minus 24 at game worst in this game. But was three of eight from the, from three, six rebounds, two assists, and four turnovers for Herder. You know he had the he had the two big shots late. He had the three to tie the game, and then the two uh, the two point floater off the glass at the end of at the end of regulation. So some big moments. I didn't think he played all that well, but definitely had some uh, encouraging signs. And uh, for me, him being aggressive late is a huge thing because uh, it's always about him not being too passive offensively. And getting up getting up twelve shots, getting up eight threes. That's uh, some encouraging signs there for Kevin Herder. To DeAndre Hunter, uh, Hunter had his best game of his career, I think, at this point in time. There were some moments uh, defensively where he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. There was one big one late in the game where he probably should have caught off Damian Lillard and did not do that. Execution things that are going to happen for rookies, but he had a couple of really, really nice moments defensively in transition in this game. Offensively, um, took, took nine threes. That's a very, very good sign for him just getting shots up, made four of them. 14 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. I thought he was just solid across the board. It was plus 5. That kind of felt right in 39 minutes. And Hunter just kind of flashing the way that this is one of those games where I thought he might be able to do kind of this on a high level um, as a rookie this season. And uh, he sort of flashed that here. It wasn't, again, not terribly efficient, not terribly productive, but took a lot of threes effectively, played defense, and was a two-way potential guy and used his size. He was back at power forward in this game, which is worth noting. Uh, he was the first sub out of the game early on in the contest. And then came back in 
um, quickly for Parker at the four because, you know, without Vince Carter, without Evan Turner, they don't really have another option at backup power forward. It basically has to be Hunter, and that's the way that they that they treated this game. So he was either playing alongside Parker at the four and five, which happened a lot in the second half, which is kind of crazy to think about. Jabari Parker playing the five, but it definitely did happen. Or he was playing the three. So it was a, a dual faceted game from Hunter. I thought he played very well, honestly, in the uh, in the over in an overall sense. Jabari Parker, 37 minutes. He was fantastic offensively. 27 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, two steals, four block shots. Did foul out late, but with 13 and 23 from the floor. Actually, it was one six from three. If he had made a couple more threes, it would have been even better. But efficient, efficient offensively. His dunks are becoming stuff of legend at this point in time. He is at or near the top of uh, all the dunk leaderboards at this point. Um, that's part of that's Trey Young setting him up. But part of that's just him, the fact that he's just finishing everything around the rim. And Jabari's been fantastic offensively, no question about it. Um, defensively, as I said before, he had some weak moments, but still his effort is just better than it's ever been defensively. Um, there are still times when he is maddening on that end of the floor, uh, no question about that either. But he is trying for the most part, and the offense is enough to uh, carry the weight. Um, in a big way, because I think, you know, Parker, you can't really ask for more from Jabari Parker than he's been giving you so far this season. He's been huge, particularly in the absence of John Collins. So, uh, last but not least, Trey Young, 35 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds, 3 steals. Did have 7 turnovers in his 43 minutes. He was not terribly efficient as a shooter. You know, 9 of 30 is not great. Obviously, 30% from the floor, 3 of 13 from 3, 6 of 17 from 2. None of that is great, but 14 of 17 from the line to really, really carry the day. It's kind of a James Harden-like effort um, in terms of the efficiency for Young in this game. Still, 35 points on, I'm looking at it now, 38 shooting possessions. That's, that's not really, it's not very efficient, but when you throw in the 10 assists and the three steals and just the way that he's been guarded all, all the entire game, he it, it's kind of odd to say this out loud, 35, 10, and 8, and I think, I think Trey didn't play that well, which is kind of crazy um, by his standards. Again, this is by his standards because obviously he was a hugely impactful piece for the Hawks here. Um, his passing was how it always is. It was fantastic. He just didn't have the uh, shot making going in this game, particularly in the first half. He just kind of started slow, um, made a bunch of floaters, but still didn't have his three-point shot going. Obviously, a couple of tough attempts that he, you know, He's going to make, he's capable of making those, but as an overall exercise, he was obviously super productive and the Hawks needed all of it, but um, he will play better than this, which is a good sign for the Hawks, but uh, he played, he still, he still did, he still did a lot of uh, positive things. And um, again, 60, 62 points for Parker and Young combined out of the 113, so more than half, and uh, it felt like it because those two guys were just very, very important to everything the Hawks did offensively, and they gave them the chance to win, which is kind of all you can ask for on the road in a tough spot in Portland. So. Although that's a lot of words on this game, uh, very, very late at night, so my apologies if I was incoherent. In some ways, it's about 1 a.m. Eastern Time as I talk to you right now. The Hawks do not return to action until Tuesday. They're in Denver for that one, which will be very interesting. Uh, the Nuggets, you know, are playing better than the Blazers at this point in time. The Nuggets have not been playing fantastically this season by their standards, but still a very, you know, sort of an upper echelon Western Conference playoff team. And Denver is famously awesome at home usually, so a tough spot. To be sure, uh, tougher on paper than this game was for the Hawks. And then after that, they go to Phoenix. So stay tuned for all that. Please subscribe to this podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. Um, I am efforting a guest or two that I will plug in in between these games if possible. But at the very, very least, I will see everybody on Tuesday evening.